the truth. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Thomas Freeme TV and Podcast Show. How is everybody doing? Blessed, I hope. It's been a long day. If you've been with me for most of the day, um, we've been covering the Daryl Brooks uh, jury instructions and closing arguments. Um, all of that wrapped up, and the jury has been sent into deliberations. <clears throat> and I just want to wrap up tonight talking about emotions. Right, you go on Twitter right now. Um, Daryl Brooks is is trending, and specifically, uh, Daryl Brooks is an idiot. Is trending on on uh, Twitter, and he made a good example as to why that is is um is trending. You know, but at the end of the day, this is a human being. This is a human being who. Uh, is is obviously um, a broken individual in, in in many aspects, and it's not to forgive anything that he's done, but it's for all of us to remember and keep in the front of our minds when we're out in public every day, as far as how in control of our emotions are we, you know, this was an individual who lost his emotions that day for whatever reason, whatever reason, and and chaos ensued because of it you know and there's no telling where that chaos ends when a person is is out of control emotionally it's just all animal instincts because that's that's what we're rooted in is is animal behavior and that's how animals act is is through emotions you know through responses and triggers and things of that nature um it's it's sad you know what what we watched today, we watched a range of emotions coming from from Mr. Brooks. Ultimately, until the end, I think we we saw just a man who was deflated. He he was done. He gave everything that he knew how to give into his trial. He defended himself, you know, like we all have the right to do, and and that's very important. And as um unintelligent as he may have appeared. Uh, it was it was it was brave of him to stand in that courtroom all alone, being viewed the way that he he is, and defend yourself in in any kind of manner, you know. Um, but towards the end, we saw a man who gave everything that he had to give to try to save his life to convince a jury that. Uh, his actions were not intentional or motivated or anything of that nature, that they were uh, the result of, of faulty hardware in the vehicle, you know. And maybe that may be so, you know, but I don't think he did a very good job in in displaying that. I think that his whole attempt at his defense was, was not planned or or strategized. It was It was him just going on the whim and trying to defend in the the straw man act, you know, um, which I'm going to touch basis a little bit on that, just to try to give a little bit of understanding of what some of his arguments were when it came to jurisdiction of the court and things of that nature. This goes into the old argument that has been argued um, over and over again, and 
when you have inmates inside doing legal work, you have two types of inmates. When we're in the law library and we're doing legal work, you'll have inmates in there following judicial law, which is commonplace of, of everyday law that we know it. <clears throat> and then you have individuals in there that are arguing constitutional law. And both arguments, I mean, I understand exactly what people are trying to argue when they bring in the constitutional law, and it's factual. And we saw that in today's court, right? In some of the arguments that he had raised and in some of the responses that the the judge gave, you know, we had seen that in today's in today's um court proceedings. Specifically in the fact when when he proclaimed himself, right, we heard him say that he is not the person who's in the court and and that essentially what he was saying is that he does not take ownership of the of who the court is is processing, you know, who they're who they're indicting, who they're charging, that that person is not him. Right? Essentially what he's trying to say is that this is this is the straw man and and <clears throat> it's a long, long story. You could research it yourself simply by just going in and looking at the straw man, um UCC code, things of that that nature, which is the universal commercial code, which a lot of this is is what this falls under. But essentially what the argument is in a nutshell is that when we are born as American citizens. We are born into debt. We're born into slavery, right? This debt that this government has created, this national debt that's worth trillions and trillions of dollars, every American citizen is born into that debt. And every American citizen is expected through their lifetime as being an American citizen to contribute towards that national debt. And they even have a dollar amount of what they feel like you should contribute through your lifetime to that national debt. Now, this is where your social security number comes in. This is where your birth certificate comes in. Because what is created in that fashion is a bond, right? A bond is created in your name and your social security number and all of these fashions. And it is stored away. And that bond is is your amount per se that bond is your your lifetime everything that you collect through your lifetime goes towards this bond this is your money this is this is how the theory goes right now as it comes into law we have the constitution of of america and that constitution has its amendments and when you go in and you read those amendments a lot of what we see go on in the courtroom today says nothing like the sword in our Constitution of America. And the reason that that is is because throughout time, arguments were raised like what Mr. Brooks had raised in, 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 in various other arguments, and the court has found ways to shoot these arguments down. So those ways are judges interpreting constitutional law the way that they interpret it and then they create these rulings which eventually come into watershed rulings roe versus wade for example is a watershed ruling when it comes to abortion 
that judges these human beings sat around. They made a determination of how they felt the Constitution read, and they made a decision upon that. You know, and and the rest of the land, the law of the land, followed that decision, but not the Constitution. Followed judicial law, and that is the realm that we we reside in today. Is judicial law. Um, we see that when uh, many times today, when the judge and Mr. Brooks was going back and forth, she was citing law. She was citing, you know, uh, <clears throat> Illinois versus Allen, I believe. And these are judicial findings. These are findings of, of a judge and his determination as to how he felt uh, a case, a particular case went in accordance to the Constitution and what happened within that case and his interpretation of the Constitution as to the grounds that he can restrict an American citizen's rights during trial. This gets into when, when what the judge was saying about unfettered, you know, having unfettered rights. You know, when, when you're going to trial, you, you do not have unfettered rights. Your rights do come with limitations. There was a lot of a lot of good points that were made. A lot of arguments were brought forth, and it's very interesting for for people who is is in this realm because she had to rule. She had to make rulings and findings upon his his objections and upon his his arguments. You know, and within doing that, it's gonna be. I'm. I'm. Uh, this is going to be something that I'm going to follow for years to come, probably because I'm very curious as to how the appellate court is going to rule to some of his arguments. They're going to do everything in their power to shoot it down, just like um the judge was doing today. You know, they call it meritless, uh, without merit, things of that nature, um because that argument does not reside within the judicial realm. In fact, that argument will destroy the judicial realm. It will destroy everything that it has built. It will destroy the prison, the prisons, it will destroy the courts, and it would it will alter the way that attorneys operate, it will alter the way that prosecute it will alter the whole system. This is why they argue against it. This is why they say it's meritless. This is why no attorney will defend it, because all of them are subjects of the court, which in essence is being ran unconstitutional. And I cannot argue against that. I cannot, because when you sit back and you go and you look at the history of how the court was created, the turns that it took, and where we're at today, I cannot argue that our courts operate unconstitutionally. But this is something that you have to know from the jump. This is a process that you take in your life. Like your lifestyle is one of that. Brooks, you could tell, learned this within the last year of sitting in the jailhouse. Um, maybe possibly new scrapes of it prior, just like any of us do. right? We all learn it in prison because we have the time to sit down and research and, and focus on that. Because we're all trying to get out. You know, when we're looking for loopholes in the system, things of that nature, this is how we run across the UCC 
and such. But I cannot argue the validity of it. What I can argue is that it is not applicable in court. You cannot bring this into a judicial realm, right? <clears throat> Unless it's done properly from the very beginning. And Brooks, he didn't do that. And I haven't watched the whole trial, but I can tell he didn't do that because he still, he still uh, respected some of the rules and guidelines of the court. You know, he still respected some of the rules and the guidelines of court. And from my understanding of practicing UCC or straw man is that you cannot cooperate with them at all, right? There's no cooperation at all because you are not subjected. Now, if they, if they carry you, things of that nature, you're not fighting against them. But in essence, they're, they're holding you hostage. They're holding you against your will. This is how this whole process is supposed to start from the very beginning. Um, but circling back around to the emotions, you know, this is why it is urgent for us to understand and be in touch with our own emotions. Because as we sit here and we look at Brooks and we call him a monster and we call him an animal, any one of us can be him given the right situation. Because we all have that animal ability in us. If we're pushed the right way. We don't know the circumstances of his life. And we could sit here and, and, and say. Oh man don't give me that bull crap. About a hard life and all of that. It's easy for each individual to say. But we're all human beings. We're all distinct. We're all unique. There is no individual on the face of this planet. That is like me. There is no other me. That is it. Nobody else walks like me, talks like me, acts like me, is me. I am the only person. And I have to make my decisions based upon my encounters, my interactions, my experiences in life, and how I've processed them. So no other individual can come into my life and tell me how I should have handled something based upon how they should have handled it because they're a different human being. All I can do is be accountable for my actions. That is it. As a human being, I have to be accountable for my actions. You know, I have to be reasonable enough in mind to understand that what I just did was an atrocity to humankind. I killed people. I took lives. And I'm in no order or, or, or position to do so because I did not give those lives. Life was given to me. You know, and, and only the only person that gave me that life can take my life, you know, at his so calling. So it's 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 coming into maturity as, as an adult, as an elder amongst our people to understand that the utmost importance is to be accountable for our actions, you know, be accountable for our actions and take what's what's coming to us that we know we deserve. You know, and, and um, I feel for Mr. Brooks, you know, like I was saying during the live stream, I wanted the listeners just to set aside, set aside the fact of this man's innocence or guilt or uh, what, what transpired, but put yourself in his shoes in this very moment today, right today, as I speak. This man is sitting in a cell right now, questioning God, questioning life, 
questioning paramount things that we question at pernicious times in our lives. Right now as we speak, guarantee it. I know it because I've been through it. You know, I've had these same questions coming out of, you know, closing our arguments and, and such. So, put yourself in this man's shoes to have to face something that you don't want to face. I think we all kind of been there too. I think we all can kind of relate to that. Being in a position that we just didn't want to be in. We didn't want to face it. Whether it was a bully at school, we just didn't want to go to school. You know, or or whatever it was. But we had to. We were forced to. You know, and, and this is kind of where this man is at. And also in, in, in the realization that life is, is, is different. Life is completely changed. And, and even if you are innocent, in the case of Temujin Kinsu, John Merritt, you know, James Griffin, Curtis Davis Jr., these people I have up on my, on my wall and so many more, in these individuals' cases, you're, you know, in order to prove your innocence, it's going to take 20, 30 years, you know, unless you unless you got something that happened in the court so egregious that you're able to get a new trial, get your trial overturned in the first couple years, the first couple phases of your, your direct appeal. But other than that, once you get past your initial appeal, you're spending the next 15, 20, 30 years fighting your case, you know. And, and, and um, we realize that in, in this moment. Like, when, when, when he's reading his closing arguments, of course, which was more of a plea, you know, than a closing argument, um, but you could see in his, in, in his whole demeanor at that time, one, he's just sorry that he got caught. He's sorry that he's facing the repercussions that he's facing. Um, it could be one of two things. Either he's a severe narcissist and he just does not understand the 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 weight of what he's done because he only is thinking about himself. Or two, he truly is innocent in the fact that he did not mean to kill these people, you know, and that he was he the the, the equipment was faulty or whatever for the reason, right? But in these moments, or in my opinion, really the only two reasons as to why you would not show remorse, you know, for the victims in in that in that manner, you know, in that fashion for the families and such, he he quickly you know grazed over you know the family or whatnot. But like, dude, you ran over you you ran over seventy some people, sixty something people. You killed six of them, seven of them. Some of them were children. You know what I mean? Like, this wasn't, you know, uh, uh, an accident where somebody just died in, in the accident. You know, this was, you ran through a crowd of people on a Christmas Day parade, right? Just coming off of everything that, that, was going on up in the, in in that area at that time, 
You know, people were still in an emotional state. And this was a coming out party for the community to, to be part like, okay, like Thanksgiving and Christmas is here now and all this George Floyd and all this stuff and, you know, uh, uh, Rittenhouse and all this stuff, man, is, is, is past us and we can kind of just kill the year now. And, and then, bam, like you're running through these dudes, these people, these human beings. So there was no, there was no empathy, I thought, for that in, in, in that purpose. And um, of course, the jury's going to see that as well. And you just, you, you can't expect the jury to have remorse on you when you're not even showing remorse for the victims in, in that fashion. And second, you're not even standing up for the jury. When the jury comes and goes, you're not even rising for them. You're not even showing them the respect that they deserve to be there to judge your life. You know, so I don't know. I just, again, these are emotions. You know, these are emotions that, that Brooks lives in and that so many of us live in as American citizens. And this is why I urge us. This is why I have my podcast. This is why I have my, my charity. You know, this is why I do the things that I do to urge us as human beings to be in control of our emotions because when we lose control of our emotions, we're nothing more than animals and we have no idea what's going to happen from that point. And then we got to sit here later and beg 12 people to have mercy on me, you know, when I didn't even have the fortitude to, to, to have enough control over my emotions. So. With that being said, man, you know, um, thank you guys again. It's been a long day of streaming for me. Uh, again, heavy, heavy stuff, heavy stuff. I'm, I am going to go in eventually, condense that ten-hour video into something a little bit more easily manageable to watch. It will still be lengthy, but it is a full process of jury instructions and closing arguments, both on the state and, more importantly, on an individual who who um, defended himself at trial, you know, which is a right that we have to do, you know, a, a right that we have. And given saying that, that if the opportunity ever was to come back and, and I will do everything in my power to make sure that I never step foot in a courtroom again, but if that was to ever occur, I would probably defend myself. You know, I would probably defend myself, but I would be well prepared for that, you know, but um, stay safe and please take this as a lesson. Keep this in the forefront of your mind. Do not lose control of your emotions, no matter how anybody pushes you when you're out in public. You know, if somebody is pushing you, just walk away. As as we used to get t told as kids, you know, just walk away, walk away, calm down, recognize, you know what, man, I'm emotional and bad things happen when I'm emotional. So let me get the hell out of here, overcome this emotion, and then we'll talk about it tomorrow or the next day. But right now is not a good time. We have to be able to do that. That will save a that would that would definitely put a dent in this prison population. So y'all take care, man. I'm tired. I'm out of here. Stay blessed. Stay safe. This is Thomas Freeme. Once again, please uh Check out my website. You can find it down there in the corner, www.comminghomecoalition.com. 
Um, we need we need support coming. Please keep it coming. We need it. We got a lot of plans. November 1st, 11 a.m., I got an appointment with the public defender's office out here in Tampa Bay to um, see about social services and setting up programs uh, to hopefully get my charity and foundation into, into the courtroom to start helping people there as well. So keep the support coming. We need it. It's all about growth at this point. 